Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. And also, I have withholden the rains from you when there were yet three months to the harvest. And I causeth it to rain upon one city, and causeth it not to rain upon another city. One piece was rained upon, and the piece whereupon it raineth not, it withered, so that two or three cities wandered unto the one city to drink water, but they were not satisfied. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Amos chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. This is not something that we like to look at. God himself saying that he had sent judgment upon his church in an attempt to bring it into repentance. First came a dryness. Yet in his faithfulness did he continue to reign upon the righteous, but nevertheless he withheld the reins from those who had strayed from him. However, sadly, instead of realizing that there was something wrong with their own relationship with God, they just simply traveled to those who were still connected to the vine and drank from their wells. You see, this is very important because one of the very reasons that God had chosen the land of Israel for his people was because that there were no mighty rivers flowing through it like they had in Egypt. You see, in Egypt, they depended on the Nile. They worshipped it. They plotted and planned their lives around it. But when they left Egypt and all of their dependence on these wicked world systems, they followed God out into the wilderness and then into the land of promise. Yes, there are a few rivers like the Jordan, but believe me, it is very small and it is dependent upon the rains. He said that if you will obey me, you will be blessed. I will send the rains in their proper season. You'll be like a tree that is planted by the water that even in drought, her roots go down and she will produce fruit. Yet he was speaking to his people right here and saying the first thing you're going to see when you start straying from me the dryness, the rains will cease. I'm reading you today from the warnings of the prophet Amos, and you're going to see a progression of warnings. You're going to see the way God speaks to his people in all of his great mercy. This happened to the entire nation of Israel, and it's happening to the church, and it will happen to you individually if you don't heed God's word. You stop spending time at the feet of Jesus. You stop seeking. You stop obeying. You start straying. You're going to see the rains stop falling. There will be a dryness. But sadly, when they realized that something was wrong, this disconnect that they felt, instead of running to him, And doing what he told them to do from the beginning, just come to me, pray, seek, speak, believe, and I will send the rain in its proper season. They just went to those who were still connected. Oh, I see you have tapped the well, so just give me the word of heaven. This prophetic warning, that which was meant to make them realize their need and complete dependency on God, 
because of their improper response actually only served to make them more dependent on men because that they just simply would not repent. The gospel's not complicated. Never has been. We're told by the wisest man who ever lived in the end of his book of wisdom, the very last words of the book of Ecclesiastes, that the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. Everything else is vanity. You can try to figure out every way to get around reality, to try to make it be what you want it to be. God's word is true. It's up to us to surrender and submit and be blessed or reject it, try to move in our own vain imaginations and suffer the consequences. So in the progression of this story, because they didn't just come to him, because that they continued to try to make their own way, the next thing that came was mildew, a rottenness consumption, something that was eating away at them and all that they had accumulated in the years of blessing, outpouring, and fellowship, the things that had stolen their hearts from him began to fail them. A reminder of how temporary the things of this world really are. But yet still, they did not seek the Lord. They continued to do things their own way. They continued in their busyness and distractions, plots and plans, ambitions. Sometimes we can even go astray chasing after good intentions. Jesus himself said that many would say on the final day, have we not done many wonderful works in your names, even prophesying and casting out devils and all of these things, but he will say, depart from me, you are working iniquity. It's not those who call me their Lord that will get into heaven, but those who do the will of the Father in heaven. In other words, it doesn't matter what we call him. What does he call us? Are we truly his servants? Or have we just done what we thought was right, trusting in our own righteousness, which in actuality is pride? In this prophetic warning given by Amos to the people of God, even with all of these things unfolding in their lives, they did not humble themselves and worship God. So that next would follow this horrid fruitlessness where there should have been a harvest. Now there was emptiness, barrenness, fruitlessness. This breaks my heart, remembering that this really happened. This is a history book. So is this happening in the church, even to this day. And so does it happen in the lives of individuals when they fail to pray, when they stray, when they stop spending time, when they're not connected to the vine, fruitless vineyards that become overtaken and infested by worms, a foe from within devouring them. Remember, we are the trees. We produce the fruit. Has something gotten in to you? These vineyards once full of promise, laid wasted, Sparse, hollow, withered, and desolate. 
yet they still did not see the direness of their current condition and returned to the Lord. No remorse, no brokenness over what was wasted, no voice crying out against it, no change of heart, or of course, they were on the wide road, and yet they closed their ears to the words of the prophet, saying, get back on that narrow path of righteousness. They locked out conviction. They filled that space with distractions, excess and decadence, and all of the material blessings that in actuality, God says, is a snare. So then this warning comes. God himself says to them, I will send on you a plague like the ones that I sent on Egypt. Now We don't like to believe this reality, but it is in the book. God himself does send judgments. When we choose to put our trust in everything but him, He will step back and let us reap the consequences of our own decisions. Why? Because he loves us and is not willing to let us perish in our error or complacence. Yet no matter how we try to say it, the truth is this. That sin is selfish and it hurts the innocent. So yes. There comes a point at which God himself steps in to defend the defenseless and moves against the wicked in all-out judgment. Not just a letting us touch the stove to see that it's hot and that his commandments were for our good. That's not what I'm talking about right here. That's a lesson for those who are only hurting themselves with their own hard-headedness. But what I'm talking about is the fact that God will eventually, when our actions become dangerous to others, he will take his belt off and teach the rebellious a lesson. Because that's what a good parent does. He protects his children from their own foolishness as best he can. But he also moves to protect others from it as well. It's never something he desires to do, but make no mistake about it. He will do it if he has to. We've all heard our parents say those words. Don't make me come over there. Yet until they do and put the fear of consequences in you, you will usually continue to act the fool. But it's a fearful thing to hear God say something. Like this, which is exactly what he said at the end of this sequence of warnings. Because so is it with all children, and no good father will tolerate it. So take God's warnings serious. Repent. Come and sit at his feet and listen. Learn to be obedient. Learn that his instructions are righteous. Learn that he delights in mercy, but also that he will not refrain from enacting judgment upon the rebellious. Sin always has consequences. Learn to fear the Lord and gain wisdom. In that same chapter of Amos, down in verse 12, we read the conclusion as this, the words of God himself. It says, Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel. 
And because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. For lo, he that formed the mountains and created the winds and declared unto man what is his thought, maketh the morning darkness and treadeth upon the high places of the earth. The Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. You see, what started with the simple warning of holding back the rain, a little dryness that moved into God, allowing the distractions to be attacked and proven worthless, that then progressed into fruitlessness. And once fruitful trees being overtaken, even internally, which then moved to a plague, sickness, All of this was mercy trying to keep them from the final judgment. But finally, the last warning that he gives in this progression is that he moved against them himself in fire and brimstone, just like he did to Sodom and Gomorrah, a judgment decreed from his own throne. Yes, he came. But not the way that they wanted. Oh, how often do we cry, Holy Spirit, come. But when we do, we're thinking that it's going to be glorious. We think it will be a party. But for the wicked, for God to show up, is something very serious. Because the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit comes to reprove the world of sin. Not to validate its selfishness. That is the work of the counterfeit. So what spirit are you really calling in? The truth is this, my friend, is that it is God's mercy to tarry while the church is not ready to face him. Yet will that mercy eventually run out? Because eventually he will come. And what you receive when he does is up to you and how you respond to his warnings. Reward or judgment, blessing or curses, choose you this day. Because today is the day of salvation. Now is your chance to escape the wrath that is so imminent. Stop trying to reason away your convictions. Stop taking his kindness for granted. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God in humble, broken, selfless repentance. Because he is coming. And you do not know if this is your last chance to get ready for it. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the mercy of correction and the patience that you have already demonstrated in the chances that you have given. May we not waste them. May we not take them lightly or trample underfoot the precious blood of our Jesus. May we take your mercies, your judgments, your words, and your warnings seriously. We read in Romans chapter 11, verse 20, that it was because of unbelief that those of the past were broken off from the vine 
And that those of us who are now connected are connected by faith. Remember that faith is trusting what God has to say every minute, every day. But Paul continues to warn the Romans, he's saying, But even though you right now are grafted in, do not be high-minded, but rather fear God. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God on them which fail severity, but towards thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. Again, my friend, take God serious. Because as we read in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 28, it says that in the Old Testament, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. So of how much more sore punishment do you suppose? Shall he be thought worthy by God, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of his covenant, wherewith he had been sanctified, an unholy thing? And hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know with him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. And it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So, Father, forgive us for complacence. Forgive us for not taking serious your great mercies, for shrugging off dryness, for just running to another sermon or another prophet or just getting a word or plucking something from the Internet like it's our Ouija board from heaven instead of coming to you personally in the prayer closet. You're not okay with it one thing to receive of the overflow of others. It's another thing completely to replace you with their babbling. We can't live on stale manna. Not when we've been given access to the very bread of heaven. Forgive us, Lord, for all the time that we've neglected it. Eternity is a very serious thing Divinity is a very serious thing. Your majesty is worthy of reverence and attention, our full attention. Because if we can't give you our full attention, then what that really means is that our heart is divided. In which case, we are in the place of the church in the book of Revelations that had forgotten their first love. Yeah, they did a lot of things right, but it amounted to nothing He said, come back and do the first work or else you would remove your candlestick from them. That's not a nonchalant, light thing. It's time to take God serious. It's time to fear the king. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. 